Hey everyone, welcome to the Brewery Ministries podcast. This is Nathan. I am your host. On this episode, I wanted to share a talk we gave a couple weeks ago. So every year we have this annual dinner where we share our experiences as we've started spiritual discussion groups in breweries and online. We are trying to do something that not very many people are trying to do. We're trying to make an alternative form of church for people who don't go to church or may not even be interested in it. It may be an alien environment to them. Uh, Whatever the reason, we want to go to a place where they normally hang out and come up with a form of spiritual exploration where they they can talk about God and they can start exploring in a place that is already familiar to them. It's been almost two years since we started this project. So we try once a year to hold this dinner to kind of tell people who are interested in supporting us, uh, teaming up with us, helping us develop these alternative churches. We want to report to them what we're seeing and how things are going. So I just want to set the stage for this episode. This talk is geared towards churches or individuals who are interested in partnering with us. So if you're from a church or you're already a Christian or a person of faith, in this talk we're trying to explain our methods, what we've been working on, but also kind of educate you on what we're seeing out there in the public uh, about some of the talks and discussions that we have with people who don't go to church, why they don't go to church, uh, what they've been feeling, what some of the solutions may be. So we're really asking you to empathize with this group. And if you're somebody who doesn't go to church or you're not sure what you believe, or maybe you've even been burned by church, and we've collected a lot of what I would call horror stories over the past year, well, we're trying to look at some of the things that you're concerned about and kind of give you a voice to the church to help kind of mediate and fix some of these things that you care about. In addition, we're also trying to develop a place where you would want to go and talk about faith and God with other people. So we could really use your input as well. So before we begin, right off the top, if you're from the church world, you might actually be asking, you know, why is this necessary? Why can't people just go to a normal church? Well, they might, but I think there's a lot of people who are just left out of the rain. Yesterday, a friend sent me this TED Talk on YouTube and it was titled, Why There is No Way Back for Religion in the West by David Voas. I hope I said that last name right. It's V-O-A-S. So in this talk, he explains that religion has actually been declining in the U.S. for 120 years. I mean, we thought this trend might have been going on for 30 years or more, but if you look at the numbers, it's, it's been going downhill for quite some time. He gave a really interesting analogy that might help us understand this growing cultural gap between people who go to church and people who don't. He showed some pictures of Hindu worship and Hindu gods. Then he asked us, you know, how would you feel if somebody asked you to come to a Hindu church? You probably wouldn't do it. You don't have any cultural familiarity with it. Uh, It's a totally different belief system. I mean... A lot of people probably would feel very uncomfortable about that, right? Well, then he said, see, that's the same way that people might feel if we invite them to church and they have no church background 
or maybe even have bad experiences. There is actually a big cultural gap between people who have not grown up in church and have no experience with it and people who are Christians. It's not a perfect analogy, but I hope you get the idea. Now, let me put some more personal context into it. I'm going to tell you a story, and this is like one of a hundred stories that I have over the past year. But I went to an open mic at a bar downtown not too long ago, and there was a musician there, and he, he knew that I run this spiritual discussion group in a brewery. And he knew that we talk about God and Jesus. So he comes up to me and he goes, hey, are you polytheistic? And I wasn't real sure why he was asking at first, so I said, no, why do you ask? And he said, a Christian wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. Like, they don't want to talk to me or anything. So he said he was confused when he saw me running this group because he said, there's no way you can be a Christian. So we talked a little bit more, and he kind of told me some of his repeat experiences with Christians, and it really kind of brought to light this cultural divide It's more than that. Some of it is there are Christians who don't really understand what Jesus was like and who Jesus would have been hanging out with if he were here today. There are Christians and churches who just don't really understand the world of the non-Christian and the things that they think about. There are lots of misconceptions, but bottom line is there are a whole lot of people who feel like they can't go to church they actually feel like Christians hate them. And they've got a lot of experiences to back that up. So obviously, somehow, some kind of big divide has been created. And for a lot of these people, it may be too late for them to ever feel comfortable going to a church. But that doesn't mean that they're not spiritually interested or curious about Jesus. So this guy that I was talking to, we went on to talk a little bit about Jesus, and he actually really likes Jesus and everything that he stood for and the concept, but he's not going to make it into a normal church. So there isn't any place for him that currently exists. And that's kind of the gap that we try to fill. We do this by making alternative forms of church online and in a brewery. And we also create tools for you guys so that you guys can just go uh, find people you know who want to explore and go talk about Jesus in your house in a very laid-back environment, a casual environment where everybody can share, and they don't have to worry about being judged or things like that. I think trying to grow churches is the wrong goal. The goal should really be to help people connect with God or give them a way to investigate and explore Jesus. If our priorities are right, some people might make their way to a normal church, Others won't. They'll stay in one of these other systems, and that's totally fine. The The whole goal is really to just connect people with God. So the annual dinner talk that you're about to hear is the live feed from that dinner, and this is our pitch to people who are wanting to partner with us and support what we're doing. The development of more tools and spiritual exploration groups. You'll hear us talking about some discussion guides, These are sheets that we print off when we host our groups. We pass one out to everybody. They contain discussion questions. We passed some out to the people who attended the dinner. So they had examples. But you can go online to breweryministries.org and click a link that says free discussion guides. And you can see the same guides. The two that we printed off as 
examples, I believe, were the very first discussion guide in the Book of Mark series. It's the blue path. It says casual. And the other one I printed off was the very first week, week one, of the Batman and Spirituality discussion series. If you decide that you want to partner with us, you can actually do that from the website. There's a link that says give where you can give to our organization and invest in what we're doing. Also, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, email us at breweryministries at gmail.com. So without any further ado, here is the live feed from our annual dinner presentation. Tonight, we wanted to thank you, first of all, for encouraging us over the past year and a half. This has been a really crazy journey. We were supposed to launch two years ago. COVID happened. We had a delay. And we've now been at this for, it's been a year and a half now? I think it's been about a year and a half. So we kind of wanted to just tell you some stories from the first year, how it's gone, things we learned. We feel like we learned a lot and we've kind of tried to adapt along the way. And then we have some, some ways that we want to partner with churches and, and sort of help other people do what we do. So, um, yeah, uh, the summary of our first year in short that you'll hear about in detail is we planted a church in a brewery. It's more of a discussion group, but in my mind, it, it's close to the original early church, the, the early definition. Christians can attend, but it's really designed for people who are also not sure what they believe yet and are curious. So that's been an experience because it's not, it's not like any church I've ever been to. So it's been good. And, and then a need came up in the middle of this year to where Jason knew some people who were not in this city, but they wanted to, to be a part of the brewery church. So they started a Zoom version of the group. So now we've got two groups going. And then once he started doing that, we developed these discussion guides for the brewery church group. When he needed those, I was like, well, why don't we start giving those out to other people to use? So we'll go into more detail, but the first thing we wanted to talk about were some positive things we experienced or learned from year one. So I'm going to share a story, then I'll have Jason and Heath each share, and then we'll just kind of go through what we do. So one of the most meaningful things for me in year one was actually uh, meeting some people who, who didn't believe what I believed, right? And there was one guy in particular, I think he'd, he'd probably still identify himself as either an atheist or agnostic, but he would come to group and he comes periodically and he would, he would like to discuss with us. I really actually found that I really appreciated his perspective. Even though we, we don't have the same views, we had some really good conversations. So I wanted to start a podcast, and I wanted to watch the show The Chosen. Has anybody seen that show? A lot of you have. So the portrayal of Jesus in the show is unbelievable. I mean, to me, it's like spot-on biblical. Um, I relate to it, and it seems like he just loved people. Seeing this portrayal of Jesus on the screen it's biblical, but it's like you didn't realize it until you'd been watching it a while, and you go back and read the book of Mark or something, and you're like, oh yeah, that was there the whole time, you know? It's, it's really amazing. 
So I, I was blown away. It really took me like six months. I know, I know a couple of you told me, you got to watch this show. And it took me like six months to actually do it because there's kind of the stigma with like Christian movies and stuff that they're not always like the highest quality. But this was unbelievable. So I wanted to take this show and watch it with some other people who were not Christians. So I, I gathered a crew of four. The one guy that I met at Brewery Church he joined. And I have a friend from my hometown. He's brand new to church Christianity. He's not a Christian yet. He's still trying to figure out what it is that he believes. He, he says if he's going to sign up for this, he really needs to understand what he's signing up for. And I, I think that's really awesome. You know, he's trying to learn everything. So he's soaking everything up. He's watching the show with me and then another friend that I grew up with. We watched the entire first season we did a podcast discussion on all eight episodes. At first, the guys were like, oh man, eight episodes, like what did I sign up for? Because you know, you gotta watch them and then you gotta do this two hour podcast. Like it was a real big undertaking. And by the end of the podcast, they were hooked. And all of them said like they just could not believe this portrayal of Jesus. They'd never thought about him that way. They'd never seen him that way. Even the two guys who, who don't necessarily believe, they're not even sure if God exists. They're just blown away by this portrayal of Jesus. So they all signed up for season two, which we're starting next week. That's been really uh, one of the most exciting things to come out of year one for me. I would like to have Jason come up and he's going to share a little bit of his experience. And then after him will be Heath. All right. Well, I think I've met most everybody, but not everyone, I suppose. But um, to start, we're talking about stories, things that have happened throughout the year, kind of that kind of thing. And I just kind of jotted myself down just a little so I didn't forget anything. One positive experience is that, you know, we've had so many people walk through the door at Augustino Brewing that we've never met before. And every one of those people has their own story. And... Some of them I have beliefs in common and some of them that we didn't. But one particular person at the brewery church that he was there, and I don't believe he's been going recently, is a Jewish man who had a lot of interesting beliefs. And he uh, really made me examine my personal beliefs because he was so challenging to what I believe. And that was kind of unexpected. I was there to help relay what I've learned through the Bible. And, and it kind of went the other way on me a little bit. <laughs> so I kind of was challenged about pantheons of gods and all of this kind of stuff. I had to really learn myself. So that was actually a very positive experience. And since July, and I'll tell you a little bit more about this, we've been doing the online version. So I personally have kind of transitioned out of going to the brewery on Monday nights. I use Monday nights as kind of my study night to get ready for the following Sunday. That group is, is slowly growing and we are finding people with lots of different beliefs. And so it's been kind of positive to form a bond with people in Arizona and Colorado and, and other places and we're looking to add. So. You know, I was just thinking there's not, I can't really narrow it down to one positive experience because there's been so many. There's been some negative ones too, but <laughs> that's going to happen in, in any ministry. That's not going to be the easiest thing to work through all the time. 
So one thing I did jot down is, you know, we get the opportunity to introduce the gospel, even though we're just reading it. We're maybe not preaching at a person, but we are introducing it to them because they are reading it and they are seeing it and they are faced with the decision of Jesus without a doubt. And it's interesting to me that you can't unhear it, like you can't unring a bell or however you want to say a million things. You can't unhear that story of Jesus and you're faced with that reality. And so that's the most exciting thing to me that we're allowing people to be faced with that reality and giving them information, I guess you would almost say. So that would do it for my, uh, my personal experience for the first year. Not super exciting, but that's what I got. All right, so this has not been the easiest thing in the world, but over the past year and a half, I learned some stuff, and the theme is you don't know what you don't know. And so there were things that I thought I knew that I didn't. Right after we started, there was this woman that kind of came regularly, and her experience was she got burned by the church. Poor teachers, um, judgmental, all that. So it, it gave her a reason to doubt God and believe the faith. And after a while with the group, she kind of regained it. I was like, well, this is interesting. I won't go into her particulars, but keep that, keep that story in mind. Uh, flash forward to about a month ago. By this time, we've heard so many stories about people in similar situations as hers. And, or they expected something totally different by the time they walked in. So... Generally, if someone's going to go to something, they're going to check it out several times beforehand, make sure they know what they're coming to. That's kind of a paradox in my mind because, you know, their expectations are still off when they come in. So marketing principles say that you need to cater to your target market. We asked ourselves, like, what could we do given these experiences and the expectations to make the group more accessible? You ask them. Ask them. Don't ask like, you know, other people that you currently know. Ask the people that are coming to your group for the first time how to make it more accessible to them. Find out what we did here in a few minutes, but that was my positive experience. Well, thank you guys for sharing. This year was really crazy because we sort of figured we knew what we were doing when we started, but... uh, We had a vision, and that vision has changed throughout the year. We've really had a lot of experiences, but we have no template to follow. We basically have to kind of invent this as we go, which is odd. (laughs) But whenever I do find someone else who is doing something like like we're doing, I'm, I'm really interested to learn from them. So kind of a summary of our mission here You've got a rack card in your folder. There's a folder at your table. And it has this little card in there that says Church Innovation Project. Our real mission is just to connect people with Jesus. That's it. Uh, All we want to do is get people exploring. And then kind of what happens with them from there. We're there to support, but we just kind of let God do his thing with people and we try not to push too hard. Our premise is that God is speaking to everyone, 
and that it's really God who teaches us. So we basically just try to create a situation where that can happen freely. On the rack card, I put something here called uh, creating alternative churches. So that's kind of the phrase that I've coined for this. Because like I said, there's no template, so we're kind of making this up as we go. But really what we're kind of trying to do is reimagine church as close to the early church as we can, but make it accessible for people from any backgrounds. You know, if they're atheist, if they're agnostic or not, we want to sit there and, and talk with them and read some of these stories. The three main activities, as you heard, we have the brewery church, which is now called Beer and Spirituality, since it's a discussion group. I'll get into why we changed the name, but it's called Beer and Spirituality first. Then Jason runs the Brewery Ministries Zoom group with his wife, Dana. And then we've got these discussion guides. So if you pull out, there's a couple sheets in there. One of them is some questions about the book of Mark, chapter 4. And the other one is Batman and Spirituality, part 1. These are discussion guides that we use at our discussion groups. Um, there's two kind of types of series we're kind of focused on right now. One of them is like a conversation starter, right? So how would you start to talk about God with somebody who either is just starting to think about God or maybe they haven't even started to think about you know, spiritual things at all yet? So that's kind of part of the purpose of coming up with this uh, Batman and spirituality discussion. What this was is we watched all three movies in Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. I don't know if anybody's seen that or if anybody knows what that is, but it's a Batman movie trilogy. We had people watch each movie, and then that next week at the brewery, we would talk about that movie, and I had a sheet that went through spiritual themes in that particular film. The third movie we all watched together at my house, which was a lot of fun. But the sheet that you're looking at is like an introduction. Before we watched any of the movies, I had to pitch this idea that there are spiritual themes in all of our movies and, and everything around us. I mean, I, I think God is everywhere. God is speaking to us everywhere, even if we don't realize it. So there are these spiritual threads that are just kind of pre-programmed and everything that we do because God's trying to reach us. So we kind of pivot off of that and designed a series like this. So I want you to imagine a staircase, right? In your mind, imagine a staircase. And that staircase represents a person's faith journey, right? So there's different stages. We're operating, at least my heart is for step one because I feel like there isn't much for step one. If somebody wants to start exploring God, they have to jump in the deep end. So I, I look at it like they have to jump all the way up to step three or four, so there's this big gap that they have to jump to to get into a community that's going to explore with them. So we're kind of trying to fill that step one, step two need. I think Jason's group, he would probably say, you're probably more like a, like a step two because your people have some kind of church background, but they just don't go right now. We're kind of overlapping a little bit because we get people like that at Brewery Church too. But basically, I have this theory that step one and step two 
in the chain are missing. You really need some kind of community that is a step one church, a step two, step three, step four. So our discussion group is kind of designed so someone can start their journey with us and they can take it as deep as they want in that group. Uh, They could transition to a church, they could stay with us, or whatever they want. But if we take these discussion guides and each table can go as deep as they're comfortable. So when you come into the brewery, basically there'll be a bunch of tables set up just like this. They seat four, maybe five if you pull up another chair. But people can sit in different groups and that allows them to go through those questions and take it as deep as they want. That's been a really different way of doing things. It's a much different experience. So part of the reason we transitioned into doing these discussion guides is uh, because we found that our target audience, you know, they're, they're not a Christian yet. They, they may not go to church. They, they may not know what they believe. They may have a mixture of beliefs, right? So that's the person that I get excited about talking with, like really excited, like I'm fascinated. But when I would meet someone who identifies in this group, I might meet them, they're there eating dinner or having a beer before brewery church, right? If I would meet them, and then by the time group starts, I go up and I pick up the microphone, they're starting to like get nervous. Someone's about to talk to the whole room with the microphone. So they run out the door. And I thought, oh no, like, that's the person I was excited about talking with, or, or listening to, or having a conversation with. So... I, I kept that in my mind. I noticed it happened several times, right? So then I thought, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up there and I'm, I'm just going to very quickly explain like, hey, you know, if you're just hanging out, that's totally cool. I'll be out of here in five minutes. Uh, we have this spiritual discussion group. Uh, it's open to anyone, any views, you know, and try to sort of disarm the sphere of church that we were encountering. That didn't work either. I could, I could literally get up there and just pick the mic up and start to say hello and like people are like packing up their keys and they have this perception of church and they're like, oh no, I'm getting on a ride that I can't get off of. So I'm like, okay, how can we adapt to this? There was another reason that we decided to switch to these uh, discussion guides. I remember when we got around Easter, I was really excited to go through this series that was like evidence for the resurrection. There was a detective that examined Jesus's return from the dead from a detective's point of view and I thought oh this will be awesome like we can talk about this I didn't realize that was going to be such a divisive topic what I noticed was I I used to start the group with like a 10 to 15 minute topic introduction and then I would try to pass the discussion to the tables and they'd talk through these questions But what I noticed happened during that series is I got a lot of pushback. Maybe I got critiqued and I had trouble getting through that topic presentation. So what that did was it sort of undermined what we were trying to do because we were trying to make this safe environment for people from different views to share. But it seemed scary. So if I received pushback or or criticism about a point I was making, then when I got done, people would be like, wow, they really grilled you today, or, oh boy, I'm glad I'm not you, and things like that. 
And I thought, oh man, this is really working against us. And also, my goal is that anyone can do what I do. Anybody can have a discussion group. Anybody, like, you know, for multiplication purposes, we, we really want to enable other people to be able to have these conversations with people they know. So I realized if I'm going to give a topic presentation, automatically that kind of requires somebody has to have some comfort with public speaking, right? That's pretty big on the fear list, isn't it? Public speaking? I mean, I'm not even totally comfortable with it. So if they see me getting criticism, they're not going to want to do it. They're telling me they're not going to want to, they don't want to be me. I'm like, well, who's going to start a brewery church at Wichita State University or, or who's going to start one on the east side or these other things if they're seeing this happen to me and they're like, I don't want anything to do with this. So the solution was build what you would call a sermon. That was what I call the topic intro into the discussion sheet. So anything that I wanted to teach other people, I would just put it in the discussion questions. So what that allows is everybody can sit down and, and anyone can lead a table or a group. And then they could take that same sheet and they could have a discussion at their house, at a restaurant, a church could use it for small groups, a Sunday school, anything like that. It, it basically levels the playing field where you don't have to be a teacher. Because someone put the cultural background into the questions and the, the historical background and things like that. So that was my solution. And then the brewery decided they were going to open during our group. They used to be closed, and they'd, they'd open for us. Well, this got me really excited, right? Because then we'd have cross-traffic. We'd have customers in there. So I could talk to them and see if they wanted to be a part of our group or something like that. But the hard part about giving a presentation is basically you take over the room, right? And you've got to have a brewery or a, a restaurant that's going to work with you or close down for your group to be there. And that kind of also undermined what we were trying to do. So by making these discussion guides, then that means you don't have to have the restaurant shut down. You don't have to have a PA. You can go downtown to Norton's with a couple friends if you want and sit there and have a group. It just makes multiplication easier. It makes everything easier for other people who want to do what we do. So that's kind of the idea behind the discussion guides. So I'll tell you about the name. I saw some chuckles when I said beer and spirituality. Okay, so we launched with the name Church in a Brewery. And I remember uh, Jason, he told me up front, he was like, hey, I don't know if I'd call it church, you know, because what we're doing, like in my mind, it's church. But I think in most people's mind, honestly, a discussion group and church are two different things. Even though we want to think people are the church, I think most people imagine a service. So like six months in, a year in, we've been trying to roll with this name Church in a Brewery, and we're, we're looking at the, the people who come, and I was like, oh, Jason, you were right. We shouldn't have called this church. We should have come up with something else. But I thought originally putting church and brewery together in the name, people who felt like 
they're nervous about church or not ready for that, they would feel like, oh, this is for me. Uh, it was a way to go to where they already have deep discussions about life. But the name really did cause some confusion. So we had people show up expecting a service, and they were disappointed because, oh no, where's the singing? Or, wait, you're not doing a service? Or we pass out these discussion guides, and I start out with an icebreaker, right? So I'd ask a question about a movie or pop culture or something, and that really kind of threw them off. So we found that the, the name just wasn't reaching our target audience, and it was confusing those who weren't our target audience. So we changed the name to Beer and Spirituality. I met a guy who ran a group in town called Beer and Jesus. There's another group in town, it was small, it was that old Chicago. It was called like Jesus and Beer. So both variations of those names were taken already. So we couldn't use those, because ideally I'd just call it Beer and Jesus. So we just settled on Beer and Spirituality, and we try in the description to kind of tell people what our focus is in terms of studying Jesus and things like that. That's how we arrived at the new name. I guess I should tell you who comes to our group, right? Or who we're trying to reach. One of our biggest challenges, I think, is a lot of people have experienced church hurt, or we all know that there's not a lot of millennials and younger going to church right now. So, you know, I, I was telling people a little bit before this started, I've had both good and bad experiences in church. So when I have a bad experience, I've got good experiences that I can also draw from that sort of help me keep level, I guess, right? But what I found is church hurt is a much more common thing than I thought. I didn't realize that, you know, almost every single person who walks in the door has not one, not two, but probably like three traumatic stories or more. So then I started to talk to people at the brewery on Thursday nights when we don't meet. I'd go there for live music and I'd, I'd talk to them and they'd ask me, oh, how did you get involved in the brewery? Because I booked the bands there. And so I'd tell them, well, I run this discussion group on Monday nights and in exchange, I booked the bands for them. So then they'd just kind of unload. <laughs> like they'd been carrying this this church hurt, they would just like kind of vomit it out. And I couldn't believe the level of, of hurt there and the frequency of this. Because I, I mean, I've probably racked up like a hundred stories in the past year. So that, to me, that's a little bit of an alarm that there's a, there's something going on that maybe we can all try to be a part of the solution. I, I don't totally understand how things got here, but as I watched The Chosen, I just realized not much has changed. If, if you look at Jesus' uh, situation between him and the religious leaders, we're really actually in kind of the same type of situation now. That's been hard. I've actually kind of been a little traumatized with the number of like, stories that I've encountered, and I, I have my own, too. That also makes me really excited about what we do. Because the idea with the discussion guides and, and with our groups is that people can just come in and they can openly share 
nobody's necessarily going to tell them, well, that's not right, you know? And that's been, that's been a battle, too, because when we first launched, we did have some people come who were the people that I was really looking for. I was really excited. And they sat at a table, and there was like a group of Christians over here, and they kind of started to pick this one guy apart. This guy, he was really, really interested. Like, he messaged me like, oh, I can't wait until you guys launch. You know, I, I just can't wait. I'm really growing spiritually right now. So then he comes to group, and he has a, a, a mix of views. He was actually like building an altar in his house to another god, like to a pagan god. He had never read the Bible in his life, but he really liked this idea of Jesus. He just didn't know much about Jesus in the Bible. So for me, I'm like, oh, yes, I want to sit at this guy's table. So that night, I started to visit each table, and by the time I got back to his table, this guy was almost in tears. And the reason was his table had, like, picked him apart. He got at a table that was all Christians, and they just found all the things that he thought, and like, man, you're way off. And, and so I, I listened to them, and then I sat down at the table with them, and I actually found myself in the spot of defending this guy, or at least trying to get other people to empathize a little bit or something. So I learned that night, I think that a lot of us just don't have a lot of experience talking to people with different views, but that's very common for someone of my age. And even I have to go looking for it to have conversations with, with people with different religious views or, or some of the views he had. But they're more and more common. So I think um, one thing that we want to do is kind of raise awareness that this, this is something that's happening. A lot of these people that we're looking to reach have shut down completely because they've had these, these experiences. And I see us sort of trying to go out there and repair that and reach them. Because the group that I'm interested in is, I think, the same people that Jesus would want to pursue would he be here right now. It's the same type of people that Jesus pursued back then. So there's a verse. It's John chapter 14, 26. And this is kind of the premise behind the discussion guides. So I mentioned, you know, you can sit the discussion guide down with someone and just talk, right? You read it together. Don't worry about what they believe, what they don't. You're having the conversation, right? So we, we give people some freedom. I share my opinions, but sometimes we've been taught we have got to convince people of things, and we're trying to stray away from that. And if you look at what Jesus did, he basically taught these parables, and he concealed the meaning of the parable from the public. I thought about that. Like, how crazy would it be if you went to a church today and the guy got up there, the pastor gave a few riddles, and then just walked off and didn't tell you what they meant? <laughs> so I find it fascinating to go back and try to relearn, okay, how did Jesus do this? So John 14, 26 says, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So we kind of try to embrace this idea. If you're actually going to sit there and try to let the Holy Spirit be the teacher, you're really going to be tested because you hear these ideas, you're going to want to jump in and, and correct them. So the premise, it gets tested every week. 
Am I the teacher? Is the Holy Spirit the teacher? You know, do I trust God to take his time or however much time this person needs to grow this person? Everybody is in a different place in their journey. And I don't know, if you think back to the staircase, I don't know what stair people are on. I don't even necessarily know what stair I'm on. I have an idea, but only God really knows this stuff. So I operate that way. That's the same way that Jason runs his Zoom group. But it actually gives you a lot of freedom because then you can just kind of sit back like friends and peers and just let people talk and discuss. I think that if you guys were going to, you know, have some friends over at your house, have coffee or have a beer, you know, we, we like beer in our ministry, you could very easily just sit down with one of those guides and just kind of let them go and then sort of practice the listening role. I even noticed that here at Asbury, some of the younger people, when they were asked what they wanted for a Wednesday night class or, or Sunday school, they were kind of like, uh, we don't really want a class or we want something more discussion-based or, or casual. So it is an interesting shift to go over to the teacherless model, the, the peer model, where the content is in the sheet. I think that could actually speak to the younger generation a little more. But even the people in the church, I think, are looking for something that's just different. It's just a generational difference. It's just a different format than maybe what they used to do. And so one thing we want to do is tell churches, you can do something like we do in your church. You don't have to use the beer. Like you don't, you don't, you know, just, just have a discussion. You don't have to have a bar. If you look at this sheet, creating alternative churches, this is something we would hand out to churches or people who are interested in doing what we do. And on the back, you'll see an explanation of the discussion guides and what they do. So this is something that we want to give to other churches, and they're free. We're not going to charge for them. We just really want other people to start trying to do what we do because, like I said, we're just trying to figure this out, and we don't have a lot of peers. So if there were other people doing this with us together, we might be able to help each other and innovate a little better. There's one other thing that's important about the discussion guides. You're probably wondering, like, why did we need to make our own guides, right? Because there are a lot of other materials out there. There's a popular discussion sheet that's like a, just kind of like a stock sheet. It's called the discovery method. Anywhere in the Bible, you can print out this one discussion sheet and apply it to that chapter, right? The reason that we started making our own guides is because we didn't feel, again, that there was much for that level one, level two Christian or person who's not even a Christian yet. Uh, level one in their faith, they're just starting to explore. We didn't really feel like there was a lot for that person. And two, if we're going to go over to this teacherless model, the discovery method can be great, but what if you get somebody who they don't know how to interpret the Bible or you know, there's a lot of verses that if you just isolate it, I mean, it might say if you do A, B, and C, for instance, we were looking at Proverbs a few months ago. If you do A, B, and C, you'll become rich, right? Well, we know that's not the case. So some people look at that and be like, well, the Bible's false because I did A, B, and C, and I'm not rich. <laughs> so what we did to deal with that 
is uh, every discussion guide, I kind of try to tackle something like that. We try to build some interpretation principles into the guides. But it's kind of subtle, but you start asking them, okay, so based on the context of this verse, or you know, this verse and this verse look like a contradiction, so how do you reconcile the two? So you're asking them to deal with them instead of just throwing them out as a contradiction. How do we resolve this problem? And so we build interpretation methods into the guides so that when they go home and they read the Bible on their own, they can kind of figure it out and kind of learn to do this on their own instead of relying on somebody else to explain it to them. So that's kind of uh, the gist of our first year and how we arrived at making these discussion guides. I'm going to have Jason come up and he's going to tell a little bit about the online discussion group. Want to share a little bit about that? Okay, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about what we kind of have going on. I did want to just before I start, you will notice if you go look for these discussion guides online that we have posted. Did you put a link? I didn't know for them to get to that on the breweryministries.org. Okay, so for the online discussion group, the Zoom group, I have changed the discussion guides just a little bit. So there are two different versions of each one. Mine's more the concentrated version. Okay, I found it a little bit doing it virtually over the internet. I kind of felt like it needed that little introduction and uh, we had had the problem at the brewery of being interrupted during that time, during Nathan's you know, little speech that he would say, kind of his churchy, kind of a sermony kind of thing. I kind of found it a little bit necessary to add an introduction to the online version of it. That's the big difference is you'll find an introduction section that I read to our group for, I don't know, it's just a couple minutes, it's really quick to give them an introduction. So that's kind of the main difference. And then Nathan focuses a lot on superheroes and things that my group doesn't care about. Sorry. <laughs> Pop culture. So uh, kind of taken some of that stuff out and replaced it with, with other stuff. But uh, yeah, we're not doing the Batman and theology thing. Sorry. So, so my group is a, a little bit different. So I'll just say that, you know, we started this in July and then we meet on Sunday nights at eight o'clock and everybody just signs up through breweryministries.org slash Zoom, I think, and uh, puts in the email address and then we send out the link every week and it's worked pretty well. We start with a social time at the beginning of each evening. We didn't want to lose the idea behind brewery ministries. That was important. And so we do drink beer during our time and in the social time, we'll show which beer we have and we encourage everyone to post the beer to Instagram, show a picture of the can, giving it description and all of that kind of stuff. So they put it up on Instagram with the hashtag, it was uh, brewery ministries underscore Zoom. And it helps them feel tied in because actually every person currently is out of Kansas. They're, couple in Colorado, a couple in Arizona. We're growing more in a couple of other states. We're hoping for a couple more. But if anyone knows anyone here or anywhere else that would fit into something like that, that would be ideal. Let me know or look at our website. We had that interest from those other states. And so my wife, Dana, and I, we thought we would kind of 
give this a shot. And I firmly believe that God has brought us the people that we have our discussions with each night. And it's been very consistent who comes every week. It's been really consistent. And they seem to really be enjoying it. So we have one person who, like Nathan was talking about, is extremely, I will call it, damaged by the church in the past, in church experiences. She was really damaged by that. And I would guess that she won't ever step foot in a regular church, ever. I could be wrong about that. I don't want to say never, but that would be my guess. Another attendee that we have has, I would call, kind of a mixed theology. You know, a little here and a little there and a little here. And But the most important thing is these guides, and, and we don't always use the guides, but our discussions are always focused around Jesus. And right now we're going through the book of Mark and you can't get away from Jesus in the book of Mark, right? So that's what it's all about. And so we really concentrate on that every week. They get to hear that story. So that's, that's the amazing part. They're hearing the gospel directly. And how can you do better than that? So, and each one of the people in our group has expressed the desire to bring others in. And they're always inviting. And, you know, we get little nibbles here and there. And so we feel like that it is growing and that it's going to continue to grow. And in the future, we're brainstorming all kinds of ideas how to deal with that growth. You can't have 25 people all trying to talk on a Zoom call. Mark can tell you that. That doesn't work so well. And so we're working on ways to do that. So being virtual is ideal for those who are not local, right? But it comes with its own set of challenges. It comes with technology challenges. Oh, you were frozen up. I can't hear you. What did Dana say? Oh, you're just staring at me, you know, that kind of stuff. We deal, <laughs> we deal a little bit with that. And uh, trying to achieve a sense of community behind a screen, that is a challenge. But, you know, it feels like it's working. In the brewery, we'll have game nights occasionally, that kind of thing. It's pretty easy with Uno cards and whatnot. But over the last year and a half, it has been so necessary for people to meet virtually that all kinds of ideas have flooded the market, so to speak, of different games and, and icebreakers and different ways to interact with people online. So I'm not afraid to steal a couple of those ideas to try and make our, our group bond. And, and we really have, even though we're in several different states, we've still been able to bond. And I think one of the factors that's been really helpful for this, is, and Nathan kind of touched on this, is we're extremely careful with how we react to someone's answers, if that makes sense. If somebody said, the sun god Ra blessed me today, I'm not gonna blast them on that. We're going to just slowly kind of work our way through that and depend on the Holy Spirit to help us and, and to give us those answers and to work on that person. Telling them they're wrong is, in my experience, one of the hard things that a traditional church has to tell people what is the truth and it comes across as you are wrong. And that's not what we're trying to accomplish here. 
we're we're trying to move them forward through um, the Holy Spirit. If that, hopefully that makes sense. But then they start to come around and they start to see what we're teaching and they start to ask us questions. And Nathan has said it a couple times, people, and I, and I agree with it, people are responsible for their own spiritual journey. And I would think that we would all agree on that. So the best we can do is point them in the right direction and let God work on their hearts. My wife and I, Dana, we're, we're really excited for what the future holds for the Zoom groups and we're really hoping that it'll keep growing. And again, you know, if you might know someone that might be a good fit for something like that, they can be right here local in Kansas. There are people that won't even go into the brewery because of the word church, right? Church in a brewery. Well, that's been kind of changed, but there is a real stigma with the word church in our society right now. Could be rightfully so, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But we're trying to get around that. So the possibilities are pretty endless when it comes to the virtual realm when you're teaching the Bible. So I think that kind of wraps up about all the things I was going to say about the Zoom groups. All right, we are closing in on the end here. So a couple of the reasons that we do this, the reason we're making groups, the reason we're making the brewery group and the Zoom group, again, is because we feel like there's not much for that that person who's just starting to seek, or maybe they're nervous about going to a church. So we're trying to fill that role. And then the other thing that we're trying to do is raise awareness for other churches about new things that they could do, you know, ways they could reach the younger generation. We're basically just trying to report some of the conversations we have with people so they can, they can take the data that we're collecting and they can make their own decisions try to develop something or they can try to do what we do or they can partner with us somehow but we kind of feel like like I felt like it was shocking to start going to the brewery and start talking to people about uh, inviting them to a group and hearing their trauma or their just disinterest and it was hard I didn't realize that they were that hurt or or that opposed to going to church but it, it is a much wider problem than I realized. And I feel like, I was talking to the district superintendent of the Wichita Methodist Church last week, and he said something like, by the time they have the data from the missionaries or statistics, it's like two years outdated already. So I sort of feel like we've collected some data and all these studies that we've read, we, we knew the younger generation wasn't going back to church, some of them, right? But I think the numbers are bigger than we realize. And a lot of the time, they'll tell me that what they saw during the last couple of elections makes them not want to have anything to do with Christianity. So that's probably been the most common answer that I've heard. And so it is sad that those two things have become married. So we're, we're sort of trying to go back to the basics, like, well, what did Jesus do? Uh, how did he reach people? And we would like to help churches, if they're not aware of this, uh, help them see what's going on if they're willing to talk to us so that maybe we can all solve some of these problems together. Because I feel like if you don't know or if you're not exposed to it, you kind of have to go looking for it. But if you don't know, then you don't realize this is going on. I think we're kind of past that attractional church model phase 
even to bring people to beer and spirituality, new name, almost forgot it, even to invite them to our beer and spirituality discussion group is hard because if you're being asked to talk about faith, they think that's like asking to debate politics. Like they just think they're going to get it, right? Like they, they think they're asking for a fight or a debate. So it's really difficult. There's two solutions to this. One is we meet people. Two, other people bring a friend to group because if they come with a friend, they're going to feel a little bit safer. I can count like tons of people who have told us, oh, they're really interested in, in this brewery church idea, but they don't make it through the door because they're nervous. So then I started to ask the people who did come, what was your first time like? Oh, I was terrified. Like almost every single one of them says they're terrified. I'm like, really? Like, yeah. And there's just some kind of a stigma right now, and I'm not really sure how this happened. So one of the solutions is other people can bring their friends to our group. Or you can get online, print off one of our guides, and have them over to your house. Because there's a lot of people right now, they're not going to go to a group that they don't know people. Like, that's just terrifying to talk about faith. I mean, even if it was a, well, a party with a bunch of strangers, you know, there's some people who are, might be comfortable with that, but some people who might not. But they might discuss with you. So if you used our guides and sat down with a family member or a friend, well, we don't even have to worry about them not coming to our group because they have you. So that's part of the reason to release the discussion guides online. There's a sheet there that says ways to support us in what we're doing. We are a tiny little fledgling organization right now. I think we're always going to be small. What we want is other people to take on our cause. I don't think we're looking to become a big organization. I keep saying we're looking to create decentralized churches, which is probably a terrifying thought. But my generation is interesting because they're really into that. They're decentralizing money with the cryptocurrencies and they're decentralizing. Well, what that means to me is some people are in their house over here. Some people are in a restaurant over here. Some people might be in a normal church over here. But I think a lot of people feel like if they're not going to go to church, it's church or nothing. There's no other place for them to explore. So we want to fill in that middle and raise awareness to people that there's more. You could do this in your house. You know, you don't just have to go to a service to do church. There's all kinds of ways to do that, you know, with your friends, around a table, around coffee. So that is what, to me, decentralized church means. I think that scares some people because they think we're telling people, don't go to church, just go to your house or something like that. But I really think that if we prioritize the right things and we're really trying to help people explore who Jesus is, whether that be in a house or whether that be in a church or, or, or a coffee shop, churches will probably grow organically as like a secondary result. But I don't know that growing a church should necessarily be our goal. I think it should just be to give them a place to explore and meet Jesus. So on this ways to support sheet, number one thing, we need a lot of prayer. <laughs> I gotta be honest, uh, certain months over the past year and a half, I mean, th this has been a really stressful job. We do feel like we are kind of alone in this. 
I don't know about you guys, I know Heath has said some, but we kind of feel like, one, we're, we're trying to invent something that doesn't exist, but we just don't have a lot of peers and we don't have a lot of uh, maps of how to do this. You really have to pray about it and, and kind of go from there. And it is walking in a bunch of uncertainty. So we could use all the prayer we can get. The people that we want to reach, they could use a lot of prayer. A lot of them are hurting. Two, I mentioned you can bring friends to our discussion groups, particularly if you know somebody who doesn't go to church or, or isn't sure what they believe. You can volunteer. We are looking for some friendly people to help us make that group on Monday nights a really welcoming place. I mentioned we had, we had to deal with some uh, difficulties at the beginning. It took us almost a year to get to a place where we felt like the culture was starting to become maybe a safer place for people to, to share. But it took quite a while. So as we were kind of pitching the vision, like we're all peers exploring together, some people, they didn't really resonate with that. So they stopped coming. Or, or some people who did want to service, they stopped coming. So it took a while to find people who resonated with what we were going for and were comfortable with that. But we are still looking for uh, people who would be part of a core. So if you know somebody who this vision resonates with, we do need like a core so that people see their peers there and then they feel comfortable going, if that makes sense. Particularly my age group, if they walk in and there's only like two or three of us, um, usually there's three or four of us millennials, sometimes more, but they kind of need to see their peers there we're going for all age groups, but obviously I have a heart for younger people too. So that is something that we're looking for, young people who would really embrace this idea. You can create your own discussion group. That's number four. Like I said, we really just want to find some allies. Uh, they are hard to come by. We are heavily criticized for meeting in a brewery. We've actually had people that we don't know uh, get online, find the people who are responding to our events, and start messaging them saying, you shouldn't be going to this. So then they'll come to Brewery Church and they'll, they'll tell us this, and then somebody else will be like, oh, I had that happen to me like a month ago. And then they're like, oh yeah, I was at this other ministry in town and they were very critical of you guys. I'm like, I don't even know these people. So they don't like the idea of what we're doing. We've tried to set up some meetings with other churches uh, we, we could use your help with that. We need people to vouch for us because there's been a couple times where like we either really kind of got it for what we're doing <laughs> or uh, we thought there was going to be a meeting and then I'm pretty sure that they saw what we were doing and they just kind of disappeared after that. <laughs> but we're, we're not really accepted very, very widely right now. Churches might come around. I mean, the longer that we do this, and they see that we've, we've stuck with it, and um, maybe they'll start to understand what we're trying to do. Because I'd like to manage this in a healthy way, you know. I somewhat view myself as a mediator. We don't know if we're going to have much church support for a while. Um, so we're really looking for allies, and that may have to start with individuals until, I don't know, something happens. But you guys can vouch for us to other churches, and that, that may help a little bit because we really want to work together to be able to help solve some of these problems. 
you could make a discussion group. It could be two people, could be a small group, you know, could be uh, whatever. The, these discussion guides are designed so you can modify them to meet your needs. Uh, you can open them in a PDF editor. I tell people, like, delete, like Jason, I said, you know, delete the questions that are not relevant to your group. Whatever you need to do, add questions, tweak things. We give people permission to do that. We don't need credit for this. Churches could use them. They say breweryministries.org at the bottom so that people can contact us if they need. But like, we don't care. Like if people, if the name is an issue, they can take it off. Use the sheet. Just, just do whatever you need to do with it to make it work for you. We don't really need credit. We just want more people to start reaching out to these unreached groups. We do run off donations. So if you want to give financially, you can do that on the website. You can set up regular electronic giving or do one-time gifts and things like that. I work off a small part-time salary for this. My other job, I'm part-time here at Asbury doing worship. So basically, part of my premise is to get these discussion guides like a library built where there's tons of them. And there's, there's one on the Book of Mark, the Book of Matthew, you know, Genesis. I, I'm really excited to do one on Genesis and have people walk through that because I think there's a lot of relevant stuff there. But also stuff for people my age, like Avengers. My group at the brewery wants to do God in the Avengers movies. So I had several requests for that, so I started working on that. The message of Jesus is going to spread faster if it doesn't require a seminary degree or it doesn't require all this training. I don't have a retirement plan. I ha I'm on my own for that because I have two part-time jobs. So I have to find my own health insurance and things like that. That's going to be a barrier for some people who might be like, oh, we don't want to do what you do because you know there's a lot of things that you have to give up. So what I do in my role instead is try to build this library so that other people who have full-time jobs can still do what I do. So I do the legwork, build the tools, give them to them, and then somebody who doesn't have very much time, who still wants to minister to people, will have a way to do that without having to do all the study. Because my peers are trying to raise families, both partners are usually working. They're heavily taxed with their time. So that's part of why we run off donations, is because we're trying to do this work to enable other people. You guys have helped us get this thing started and yeah, we couldn't have done this without you it's been pretty amazing uh, challenging and amazing year at the same time year and a half i guess um, but those are the ways that you can help us if you would like there is a needs list here i put podcast audio editor one thing that we would like to do is hire somebody uh, just you know a couple hours a week to edit some podcasts because one thing I wanted to do, I mentioned there's very little for step one of the staircase of faith, right? I wanted to get some people to do a podcast, God in the Movies. It's like a brand new movie comes out, you know, Matrix or whatever. Matrix is coming out, which had some deep spiritual connections. So I wanted to get some guys together to talk about God and spiritual themes in these movies. Because the idea is, you're helping people who may not even be thinking about spirituality at all start thinking about it for the very first time. So you help people who are not thinking about God 
start thinking about him. Like the new Avengers movie comes out, I guarantee I can find a spiritual theme in it and just kind of have a roundtable discussion, make that into a podcast. I know TJ's helping us with some marketing stuff. That's really awesome because I don't know what I'm doing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we, we always need help with marketing ideas to try to specifically try to reach our target audience. Um, we need people to represent us to other churches so that we can form partnerships because ideally that is where we would raise our support from. The problem is, you know, a, a lot of churches are not open to what we're doing yet or they're just unsure about us. And that may not always be the case. I'm really lucky to, to work here because Asbury has been really supportive and encouraging of what we're doing. And last, we could really use help recruiting people who are spiritually curious to attend. So if you know anyone in that group, you could send them to the brewery on Monday nights. You could send them to Jason's group, depending on, depends on if they want an in-person thing or online thing, or you could reach them and we could talk about how to do that. So I wanna thank my team. You guys have hung with me through some crazy stuff. Jason, thank you. And Heath, thank you. Heath does a lot of tech stuff. I don't know if you knew that, but he helps with some of the technical stuff. I would like to just kind of open up the room for a little bit. And if you have any questions for us, um, and you, you guys can come up here too. If you have any questions for any of us, we just kind of wanted to do a Q&A. And then, uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be our evening. All right. Well, I'm sorry that the Q&A portion is missing, but we didn't have a mic for the audience, so you can't hear any of the questions and comments. So I don't have that part recorded for you, but uh, I hope that you kind of got the gist of what we're trying to do and why. We don't ever intend to become a really big organization or anything. This is meant to be small. It's meant to give you control over your spiritual journey. It's meant to enable other people to talk to their friends about Jesus in a way that they're actually comfortable and not scared to death, a way that's exciting. Most importantly, a way that's natural, that's authentic. That's kind of the goal. So we're kind of pioneering this. We're always looking for churches and individuals who would want to see this become a reality and help make more groups. What we're doing really kind of goes against the norm, goes against the grain. So we really appreciate everybody who has supported us. We are always looking for allies, and allies have been hard to come by just due to the nature of going to a brewery. A lot of people at church and a lot of churches are not real comfortable with that. We take a lot of heat and a lot of criticism, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> but it does help me empathize with the uh, ideal audience for our groups because it kind of gives us a glimpse of what they go through and maybe why they wouldn't want to go to church. We have unfortunately inherited some of the judgment that they experience. <laughs> if what we're doing resonates with you and you think it's important, we could really use your help. The biggest thing that needs to happen is we need more people to take on our cause. So really, um, meeting with your friends in your house is really important. You don't really even need us for that. You just need like to be encouraged. And you can use our free discussion guides at breweryministries.org. So if you print those off, that's all you need to start a group. Hopefully they can help you. I mean, maybe some of the movie series will be intriguing and, and fresh for you, like the Batman and spirituality 
series. And in a month or more, I will have an Avengers series up. So the biggest thing you can do to make an impact is to take on our mission and be an ally with us. You can also support us financially at breweryministries.org. We are an official 501c3 nonprofit. And on our website, there is a giving link. You can set up one-time giving or recurring giving. We wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. So every single supporter, encourager, every single prayer is really important to us. So we thank you so much for that. Yeah, send us any questions that you might have. Breweryministries at gmail.com is our email address. You can also catch us on Facebook under Brewery Ministries or Instagram at Brewery Ministries. If you're in Kansas and you want us to come speak to your church to kind of explain what we've been doing and what we're seeing, I think the education and awareness components are really important. So if we can help with that, if you want us to come speak at your church, give us a call, shoot us an email, breweryministries at gmail.org, and we'd be happy to come share with you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, up next, we're going to be releasing our The Chosen Season 2 podcasts. They're roundtable discussions. Those are really exciting to me, so I hope you'll give those a listen. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.